Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Ameri Talk with Keith and Charlotte. For this episode, we're going to talk about、uh, our opinions on women's position in career, family, and relationship. The reason I want to talk, do this talk is because today is actually May twentieth. I saw a lot of my friends show screenshots and photos, etc., on their social media. To share with us their joy,、um, uh, upon receiving presents from their beloved ones. So I personally has lived in have lived in China for many years. I also lived in Japan for four years. And Keith is of course very familiar with the situation in America. We are going to do a talk today about the different situation that women are. Now in in these three countries. Okay, so kids, I guess you know if we were in China right now, I'm gonna say Happy Five Two Zero Day to you. Do you even know what that means? No, I have no idea. Okay, so let me prep you with a little bit background information here.、Uh, in Chinese, I believe Five Two Zero is Wu Arling and. Well, in some way, people just weirdly think that sounds very like "wuaini," meaning Chinese,、uh, meaning "I love you" in Chinese. So now, couples, Chinese couples, are celebrating this day. And I saw a lot of my friends showing screenshots of their husband, beloved ones, boyfriends, sending them money, such as five two zero RMB or one three one four RMB. Because one three one four is、um, sounds like forever and ever together、mm. in Chinese. What do you think?、Um, is this a relatively new phenomenon, or is it something that's been happening for decades now? I believe it's relatively new because you know it's even relatively new that we have electric、uh, payment, so that people can take a、oh, screenshot、yeah. of like what they got, the money they got. On social media, so it's relatively new. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I mean, we have a lot of new holidays too, but I I mainly see them on Instagram, and they largely have to do with like food, like National Hot Dog Day or National Taco Day, or we have May the Fourth be with you. I guess that's the closest thing to、um, what you just referenced, because that's a Star Wars reference, and it's May the Fourth sounds like May the Force. Be with you. So、mm-hmm. that's about the only thing I have in American culture that's、mm, relatively similar. Interesting, because I I sort of got the feeling that you know these days are really like the world is really hard for single people because those couples just turn every holiday into a Valentine's Day. Or think about it, we have the、uh, Western style Valentine's Day, which is on February fourteenth.、Mm-hmm. You guys celebrate that one too. And then we have the Chinese Valentine's Day, which is July seventh on Chinese lunar calendar, and we have this five two zero May twentieth, and we also have double eleven, which is、uh, November eleventh. So basically, if you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, you're gonna celebrate a Valentine's Day at least four times a year. Not to mention, you still have your birthday. And anniversary, as well as Christmas, sometimes even Christmas too. 
Christmas too. What about Spring Festival, the Chinese New Year? A Spring Festival, you mainly just to spend it with your family. That's like a traditional thing. No presents for the loved ones. The Spring Festival? Hmm. No. You can if you want to. Hmm. Yeah. And what do you think of the phenomenon that you know, uh, guys show their love by sending money to their girlfriends? Mm, what I think about, I mean, I think there's profound sociological um, insights to that. Like uh, what? I'm not ready to explore them at this moment because <laughs> <laughs> it seemed pretty complicated. But as the conversation goes on, I'm sure I'll feel more comfortable opening up about that. Yeah, let me share my ideas first of all. Um, I sort of feel like okay, so I have several questions concerning this five two zero thing. First of all, I totally believe this is a marketing strategy that has been come came up with by some smart guys in the marketing industry. That's what I thought. Just like Black Friday, Black Friday, and same double eleven, same deal. Yeah, and double eleven, right? So basically. They are trying to come up with every occasion possible to make people spend, and when they see "wow," five two zero in Chinese, it sounds like "I love you." Of course, I'm gonna take advantage of this uh day and make guys, you know, spend money and buy some presents for their girls. So, yeah. So, I I kind of get the feeling that consumerism. And it's and it's associated affiliated uh, strategy as well as um, uh, advertisement mm-hmm. are or mostly I can't say or but mostly are directed at women. Yeah. Well. Well, in this case, it's directed at men because they're the ones that have to pay this this sum of money. What is it about eighty dollars American dollars? A. Yeah, you 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 actually don't have to send exactly five two zero RMB. You can also send one three one four RMB, which stands for, uh, or or like together forever. It's interesting because I was watching a documentary on Netflix about a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the Explain documentary. Um, to those listeners that have access to Netflix, it was Explain, and it talks about the wedding ring industry, particularly the diamond industry, which originated in South Africa. And basically, um, back in the day, people would buy relatively affordable and cheap gold bands, which were like three hundred dollars in today's money or something like that. And then came this idea that you had to spend two months' salary or five thousand dollars on on your proposal or your engagement ring. And we found out this was just a marketing ploy designed by the um, diamond. Um, miners, the manufact the the big diamond companies in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So it reminds me of a, a similar thing. So it's basically a way for the economy to be. I'm <laughs> lost for words. Yeah, boosted, flourish. Yeah, yeah. I also saw that documentary, and it says that that company not only came up with this idea. Every couple when they get married. They need to buy a diamond ring because diamond is like forever. You can't smash it, right? Yeah, that was. And the uh, they the also came up with a with a a kind of like monopoly in the market. So the guarantee there is only our company alone in the market, and we are going to take control of the supply of diamond 
Actually, there are a lot of diamond that has that had been already discovered in the nature, but they control the supply、mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let others get access to this supply. So that you know, because the price is basically determined by supply and demand. If you control the supply, then the demand is going to go up and the price is going to go up, and that's how they manipulate the market and people's mind for years and years. Yeah, because they don't want the value to be too low, because then people won't see diamonds in such a high regard anymore. And you don't believe in diamond at all. Believe in diamond? I don't know. I don't have any superstitious beliefs about diamonds. What does that mean? <laughs> that means I don't intuit any supernatural effects to the diamonds.、I、Nobody it says it has supernatural、uh, effects. Well, what do you mean by believe then? Well, so for example. We already have like man-made diamond already, right?、Mm-hmm. That's since the sixties. Yeah, they can since the sixties mu- pretty much create a, a a diamond that's exactly the same as a naturally occurring diamond. Yeah, interestingly, you said that exactly the same as a naturally occurred diamond.、Mm-hmm. So technically speaking, the man-made diamond and the natural diamond doesn't have anything different. No, it's just a it's just a carbon. Molecule that's、uh-huh. been compressed so that the、um, the atoms are aligned in a crystalline structure.、Mm-hmm. So the same thing as like a crystal, but you know, just using carbon. But I would bet you that if now you're proposing to a Chinese girl and you said, "I bought this man-made diamond," this girl is not going to be happy. Because why do you buy some man-made thing? That sounds very cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well. I'm sure the <laughs> diamond mining companies would want you to think that. You think all the whole thing is just a marketing scam? I think so. It's, I think so. When you talk about originally engagement was just a process of buying a relatively two relatively affordable gold bands, which we still do today. But the engagement ring actually has been added onto that as an extra thing, right?、Mm. So before it was just the two original gold bands. The relative gold is relatively affordable compared to diamonds. Just Three hundred dollars per ring, or something like that. Okay. But now we're talking about five thousand dollars. Maybe some people even buy ten thousand dollars, and obviously celebrities are buying million-dollar rings for their. Yeah,、spouses. because they believe that they can actually preserve the value. Because, like you know, if you have the cash, the cash devaluates as time goes by. But if you buy gold. The value preserves, and if you buy diamond, the value also no, preserves. Actually, That's what people believe no, in. No, no, no. Actually, gold preserves always because you can melt down gold into other things. But diamonds, secondhand diamonds, are again that was another marketing ploy by the diamond industry. Secondhand diamonds、mm. are almost regarded as just like you said. If you tell your spouse that you got her a secondhand diamond, she's going to be pretty upset. I think.、Mm-hmm. So the secondhand diamond industry is. Not very lucrative.、Mm-hmm. I mean, and they wanted to keep it that way, just like they want to keep the supply、um, limited. Okay. Anyways, back to the.、Um, yeah, back to the topic of our、uh, today's topic. I feel like you know, in all of these holidays, men definitely show their love, their respect for women. But what I really want to talk about is: is this really true? Is this respect and love really true? Because I can think of so many things, so many of the traditional ideas about women's position in China that can be regarded as very stupid, in my personal opinion. 
very stupid or uninformed or ignorant? What? Um, I I think this, yeah, basically the same thing. Um, let me give you some example because if I just talk in such an abstract way, it's really hard to understand. Mm-hmm. So, for example. I'm going to uh, divide them into different aspects and categories, like in the category of Korea. Because nowadays, like Chinese people are actually, Chinese women are actually enjoying a very high social standards. All of them are going to school, they're going to college, and they, when they graduate, they're going to work like the male counterparts in the society. Yeah. Is that like a 50-50 ratio, or does it vary... From geographical location in China? I don't exactly have the data, but I'm pretty sure it's like 50-50 ratio. Because like everyone near me, every girl I know, basically they go to school, they go to college, and they start working after graduation. Some of them, if their husbands become eventually very rich, they may choose to quit their job and jobs and come back to be a housewives or do their own small business or whatever i see Uh huh. so now what is a societal norm used to be you know now what's just a, a luxury for the rich to enjoy the wives of rich to enjoy is um uh, i guess i'll just delete this later i'll talk about that later on yeah so like in terms of for example in terms so just uh, as i mentioned we're going to ca- uh, categorize this topic into several aspects. Like in Korea, I found that women have a very limited number of choices when it comes to their career choice. For example, me and my sister, we grew up listening to our father kept telling us that the best career choice for a girl is to be a nurse or to be a teacher. And guess what? Eventually, both me and my sister are teachers right now. Yeah, that was relatively what it was like, I guess, for women in America in the 1960s. Because I remember my grandma, she was always telling my mom to be a nurse. Um, But things radically changed in the 80s as you see more women enter the workforce and Mm. into management positions. So do you see... uh, Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was just saying like, you know, if women, if the jobs that women can choose from are limited to a certain category, such as being a teacher, being a nurse, and nowadays in recent years being a public servant, did you see the pattern behind all of this? I think the pattern I see here, well, you can express your opinions later. The pattern I see here is that being a teacher, being a nurse, being a public servant, there are some shared common qualities associated with these jobs, such as being nurturing, being tentative, being patient, mm. submissive. Think about it. Being a nurse, you got to be very, very patient and tentative, nurturing, right? Yeah. Being a public servant, you got to be obedient. You got to listen to what your, what your boss told you. And being a teacher, you have to be very patient with your students. I know so much about it because otherwise you want to kill those students like thousands of times, yeah. right? So I just, you know, when I think about this, uh, this, this, this question, this issue, I found this shared qualities among all of these jobs. And isn't it true that 
the qualities associated with these jobs are also the qualities expected from women in Chinese society. I, as a, for example, if I were a guy, I expect my wife, my girlfriends to be, to have all of these qualities. I expect my girlfriend to be nurturing, tentative, patient, and meek, obedient. Mm-hmm. I would... I would avoid going the egalitarian route in your observation here because if you go to a country like Sweden, there is a lot of data demonstrating that Sweden mm. has some of the most egalitarian laws with regards to gender. Egalitarian meaning fair? Fair, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uniform and fair um, between uh, gender discrimination in the workforce. Okay. So actually the more barriers that were lifted on gender discrimination in the workforce and hiring – you actually saw a bigger segregation of between men and women and the occupations that they chose mm -hmm. with w more women going towards social and biological sciences and humanitarian work and things like that and more men going the route that they tra have traditionally gone with tech, um, STEM, and certain aspects of STEM like mathematics, things that don't have a lot of nurturing um, atmosphere such as um, you know mathematics, uh, engineering, things like that. So you are saying that, for example, in American society nowadays, we see a lot of uh, women going into those job positions that are traditionally designed for male. You are saying that actually American women are still in a pose of fighting for the egalitarian society that they don't actually have right now? No, I'm saying that this this data that I'm referring to is actually in Scandinavian societies, which are regarded as the most egalitarian societies in the world. Yes. I'm saying the more egalitarian you make the structure of your society, you see a larger segregation between the genders or and or sexes. Uh, elaborate a little bit on that. You mean more women actually go for the... Uh, career choices that are traditional traditional such yeah. as nurse teacher not strictly just nurse and teacher but those would be included and when you say teacher yeah more kindergarten teachers more younger uh, preschool mm -hmm. more nurturing environments uh, when you talk about stem even the, the class of stem is divided so science technology engineering and mathematics mm. um, you see a larger uh, proportion of women going towards the biological sciences that work with animals, mm -hmm. the environmental sciences that talk about saving our planet and saving our ecosystem. Um, and you see men going towards more traditional uh, technology, working with a lot of numbers, um, engineering, things like that. So do you think that's because... Uh, do you think because, you know... Why do you think he's that? I can't come up with a reason because like, you know, like you're basically trying to tell me that women in the most egalitarian society actually eventually, ultimately still choose those jobs that are designed, that are more traditional no, for I'm female. Saying, I'm not saying they on they lean towards it. So when we're talking they about, lean towards it, we're talking about population for biological reasons. You mean I'm, when we're talking about population distributions, we're talking about on average so on average you see uh women leaning towards the direction of these types of sciences and we have men leaning towards technology engineering mathematics but that doesn't mean that there's no women in mathematics that just means there's a larger 
proportion of of men in mathematics and a larger proportion of women in biological sciences and especially medical sciences these days. Mm, that's very interesting. I I didn't expect that actually. I expect that if we live in a more egalitarian society, um, I kind of expect the ratio would be more like fifty fifty yeah. in all kinds of jobs. Well, have you ever thought about being a lumberjack? What is a lumberjack? It's a person who climbs to the top of really tall trees and cuts them down, and it requires a lot of sh- brute strength. I'm not going extreme here, Kiss. I know that you know some of my students say that uh, Miss Lee, you're actually a very feminist person. You talk a lot of shit about our society and stuff.、Uh-huh. I'm not going extreme here, but I do recognize the biological difference between females and males. So there are certain jobs that female cannot do. I'm not saying cannot do. I'm saying. Even very hard for if, them. Even if you、do. had the strength to do it, would you prefer to do a job like that? Would you prefer to do deep sea fishing or some kind of really risky,、um, dangerous position, adventurous? I don't. I guess I don't have this like adventure-seeking personality in me. So on average, men have more of that type of personality to begin with.、Mm. So I, th- when I was in middle school and high school, I guess I thought about doing more、um, thrill-seeking jobs like that. Um, thrill-seeking adventures like that.、Um, I guess just on average, men tend to do more tasks and occupations that involve things like that, and on average, women tend to do less. Yeah, very interesting. Interesting. So you're saying that in Sc- Scandinavia,、uh, e- egalitarian society, females still tend to choose those career choices, those careers、uh, that tend to be more traditional. Mm. And I regard China still as not like a one, like very very egalitarian society. Yeah. And we have way more women in those traditional、uh, occupations for designed for female. Yeah. Such as those positions I mentioned. And well, obviously we couldn't equate these two societies as the same in its egalitarian level.、Mm-mm. And when you go into developing societies now and. Let's say the Middle East or s- North Africa, or you know some countries like that, or maybe Eastern Europe. You see, actually, you see an、um, an even less divide than there is in these Scandinavian countries that are more egalitarian. So you see a lot of women in these countries that are leaning towards tech and leaning towards things that they traditionally wouldn't.、Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because they're trying to elevate themselves out of a pobi-、um, a position. People in Scandinavia have a very high quality of life,、mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily always worrying worrying about salary or always worrying about their paycheck. Whereas in developing countries, people are. So you see a lot of women says, "Well, I'm going to be working in tech and getting a high paying position just to boost my family out of、uh, the situation that we're in, and、yeah. for our fu- you know for the future of our family." Oh, that's a very interesting point. Very interesting point, and yeah, make perfect sense. I think. And、um, do you think it also has something to do with your family influence? Because、um, as far as I can see, I think women, girls in their families, usually they were regarded. They are regarded as as like needing more protection and help with their families,、mm-hmm. and eventually this just lead to a kind of situation where the parents. Don't have a very clear boundary、uh, between protecting their girls or 
just meddling with their kids' affairs. For example, I I myself um I decided to go to Japan to further my education when I was in my late twenties. It was considered to be very late, and at that point, I already have a very stable job in a university. My father was totally against the whole idea, because she was like, "If you are in your late twenties, your top priority is to find a guy and get married."、Mm-hmm. I was shocked. I was literally shocked, because think about it, kids. If I were a guy, do you think my my dad would still? Be against the idea of me going to a foreign country, further my education, and elevate my career to another level. Um, I'm I don't think so. No. Exactly. So I was asking myself, if I were a guy, you know, is is my dad still gonna be the same? No.、Hmm. And plus, his comment just made me feel like, okay, no matter how what a degree you get. No matter what kind of career you develop, your value is eventually just determined by whether you are married or not. What kind of person you are married to,、mm-hmm. and that is very insulting. That is like, I don't see any of the academic or career、uh, achievement you have made throughout your life. All I care about is whether you are married or not.、Hmm. Yeah, I can't speak to that because I. You know, I never, I didn't grow up with any sisters, and the only point of reference I have is my mom,、mm-hmm. and everything she chose to do in her career,、um, she pretty much did of her own volition. So, and I'm pretty sure my parent, uh, my grandparents supported her pretty much the entire way.、Mm-hmm. And、um, your mom is a system, uh, system engineer, right? Yeah, she's a systems engineer for、uh, Lockheed Martin, which is a military、um, manufacturing company. Wow, that's military, amazing! Military technology company. Yeah. Um, I know that at some point my grandma was against my mom becoming a nurse, or no, she was totally for my mom becoming a nurse, but my mom had no interest in becoming a nurse. And they had some dispute about that in in the early seventies, I believe. But well, according to your understanding about your mom and your grandma, why do you think your grandma want wants your mom to be a nurse? I have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Like you know, I feel like some of my、um, previous generations of women. They mainly chose those traditional or like traditional occupations of being a teacher, being a nurse, and stuff. Some of them are housewife,、mm-hmm. and they are especially strict in this matter with、yeah. their daughter's choice. They always try to say, "Oh, the most important thing is find the right person to marry." Can you provide? So, a lot of people in the world in America they they mainly see the Middle East as And maybe parts of Africa, and Islamic countries in general, because of their draconian way in which which they、um, treat women,、mm-hmm. and largely stems from, you know, medi- medieval concepts of religion and medieval concepts of Islam that haven't、um, gone away yet. So, but a lot of people in America view countries like that, but they don't necessarily view East Asia as Korea, Japan, or、mm. China as very traditionalist in regards to gender. Or very discriminatory in regards to gender. And、uh, I guess our traditional constraint is not in the form of 
such an extreme form. Mm. Like in those Middle Eastern Muslim countries, mm. women are not requ- uh, cannot go out or take a plane without a without the company of a male counterparts. You have basically no freedom. You can't choose what to wear. That is too extreme. I think our uh, constraint mainly exemplifies in the fact, in, in the in the things that I mentioned, such as career, and also in the things I'm going to mention, such as you know their family, uh, the boundary. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, is it really a protection help or is it really just a meddling? And also in their uh, romantic relationship, as well as the beauty standard uh, judgment and stuff like that. But I can say that I didn't. I don't have experience of living in uh, South Korea, but I do have four years of experience living in Japan. And I can say that this situation is only worse in Japan, if not, it is only like as bad, if not worse than it is in China. So Japanese women live under a very, very inegalitarian society situation. Non-egalitarian. Um, so... You mentioned that it doesn't have anything to do with religion, but it obviously comes from somewhere. So is it Confucianism? Is it um, some kind of other earlier, you know, pre-modern religion? Or what is Confucianism it? Confucianism definitely has some influence because we have all this old saying, San Chong Si De, meaning you need to be obedient to your father, to your husband. But I'm not going to elaborate on that because I don't really... Mm, know a lot about it but i think it also has something to do with you know like generally speaking uh asian girls are more feminine in a certain way than the girls in america or in some other western countries so if you from the outer appearance you are already a very feminine person you always put on a dress you put on makeup and you you actually present this image of being weak. You need help and protection. I think we say dainty. I, I think. Let me double check. Dainty? I is that the word? Dainty is the word. I'm not. These are very old. Yeah, delicately small and pretty. Th- these are very like Victorian era concepts for us. So like women haven't been expected to, to be presented that way since you know, the Victorian era in America and in Europe, which is like 1890 to 1920. And then you had the Roaring Twenties. It's like everyone was like getting a lot of money and women were showing like their full legs and dancing at jazz clubs. And things were really crazy, apparently. But, you know, the long dresses and the curtsies and all of that kind of culture is definitely from like Victorian era. Uh, I think that's a little bit too much. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the situation in China is definitely changing. I see like modern girls, especially my students who were born after 2000. Yeah. We actually talk about the gender stereotype in the classroom when I was trying to explain this textbook. And I asked some questions to some of the uh, female students. And they are definitely like independent, modern women. Some of them say, said, I never want to get married because I Mm. really just want to devote myself, my energy, my time, and my opinions and ideas, all of the things into developing my career. And, you know, whatever money I can make, I'm just going to enjoy myself. 
I don't want to be constrained or bounded by the traditional、uh, things such as your family, your kids, and stuff like that. Do you think that that's almost like an overreaction because of all the generations that they've been told to be a certain way and to live a certain type of life as a woman? Do you think that's almost like an overreaction or just like a a total、um, backlash against that philosophy? I can't say for them because I actually, I'm so far away from them. Like I, I, I'm like like what like ten years older than them.、Mm. So I don't know.、Um, Or you do? So do you think, think that's something that all girls in there? Because I know that、um, I know a lot more people. What when they're twenty two, they say they don't want family, and then they meet somebody when they're twenty eight or twenty nine and thirty, and then pretty soon. They're married, and then in their early thirties, they have some kids. It it could happen. It could happen, but the weird thing is, like people of my age, they never thought so, never ever. Ever since we were in high school, in college, in graduate school, even in PhD, I never met anyone who told me, "Oh, I never want to." Like from the very beginning, when they were in their early twenties,、mm. they started talking about, "I never want to get married because I just want to devote." To be devoted to my career and things I really want to do, I never met someone like that.、Mm. So I, I definitely think there's like kind of、um, really this trend of feminism in China. I'm not sure whether the feminism movement in China is the same as it is in America, because I, I, I know that feminism movement is pretty early, right? That was in the 1960s,、yeah. in the days when your mom was born. So it was pretty old. And definitely, the feminism movement in China society in Chinese society nowadays is definitely different from those days. Well, it actually、um, hold on, double check. It it began in the late 1800s, actually, before、uh, women had a right to vote. So you have Susan B. Anthony, I believe,、um, fighting for the rights to、uh, for women to vote for women's suffrage, which happened in 1919.、Mm-hmm. So 1990. that was a pretty Uh, important hallmark in the、um, advancement of women's rights and things, but then I think what you're talking about is the women's liberation, like、mm-hmm. sexual liberation movement.、Um, in the '60s, a lot of women like n- saying that they don't have to wear bras and just wearing t-shirts, which、mm-hmm. some women still do today, and that's you know that's totally fine in my opinion. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, I don't you mind. You really like it, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind either way. Yeah. Um. The the the, fem- the so called like feminist movement、uh, in Chinese we call it 女权 in China has actually、uh, received a lot of criticism, especially from the guys, from men.、Mm-hmm. They were like, you know, whenever they see or heard something that they don't like, they just call them 田园女权 meaning you claim yourself to be a feminist, but actually you know nothing about feminism because you just want all of the rights. All of the conveniences for women,、mm. but you don't want to pay the responsibility and the obligation. So, 田园田园 meaning like really heavily. What responsibility and obligation? So, for example, if you want real、uh, equality in your family, then you should also pay the same amount of money. Yeah, I agree、Shoulder、with that. Show the same amount of、uh, financial. Responsibility. I agree with that because I well, don't. That is not the case in China. I don't believe that men are more capable than women. I mean, it to, for the modern economy, for the way the modern economy is structured, I don't think that men are more capable than women. There's unless you're 
Yeah, unless you're in the lower economic status and you're having to do like tons and tons of manual labor, maybe construction or something like that. Mm. I think it also has something to do with with the fact that, you know, uh, China has been having one-child policy ever since late 1980s. Mm. I believe by the time I was born, the one-child policy was already imp- has uh, had already been implemented. But I just happened to have uh, my sister and my brother. Happened Mo- to have them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm one of those rare. Most of my friends are the only child in their family, so the result of this long years, years, years of one-child policy um, is we have less female today. I mean, marriageable, marriageable female, the number is way much less oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard about than that. the mayor, than the number of the mayors. Mm-hmm. So you guys, don't you have like certain ceremonies or uh, organizations to find brides and things like that for men to like gather? From, from Vietnam? Uh, no, not from <laughs> Vietnam, or maybe from Vietnam. I don't, yeah, I, from I, Vietnam, yeah. But, like, have you ever thought about it, kids? Like, why? Well, statistically speaking, even if you just have, like, one child, even if you can just only have one child, sti- statistically speaking, the number of female should be about the same as the number of male. What happened? Um... I don't know if I'm allowed to reference this or not. Um, There's a documentary that came out called One Child in China or something like that. And I I guess we'll post it in the description on the American version of the podcast, which is going to be edited. But it basically details the whole um, situation where um, people were giving up kids. Um, Some boys, but they're giving up girls, too, because a lot of lower income families in China didn't want to raise women and Maybe you can tell more about that because I still like don't understand why you you wouldn't want to have a a girl. I don't understand what the problem with that is. Well, this has something to do with the um, economic development in China for years. Because like in the uh, agricultural economy, like in the past, because like manufacturer manufacturing economy has been developed, I believe, since 1989. Ever since like Mr. Dan. Uh, started or initiated this opening up and reform policy in China. I think it might even been early 1980s, like 82-ish. That's what, what the last I saw. The the early 1980s? No, yeah, 1989 like right is definitely the time of reform and opening up policy. But before that, we mainly have like agriculture economy. Mm-hmm. So, but after 1989. Uh, we started to develop into this um, manufacturing economy. So if you're living in an agricultural economy, think about it. You want as many labor as possible in your family. And males are definitely better uh, better labor Mm -hmm. than females. And also it is related with this traditional Confucius idea that a boy, because when you get married, this girl, this bride just comes to your family and live with you and take your family name. Your kids is going to take your family name. So as a boy in the family, you're going to carry on the family name. Yeah. But as a girl, you can't do that. We so have the same thing, but I don't think we have the same repercussions that women in China have from that. Yeah, there are a lot of um, really 
fucked up things, I guess, you know, in this term. Because it's like even today, I just can't believe it. Even today, in some of in some areas like Chaoshan in Canton province, Mm. It is like women are still regarded are treated like valueless or worthless. You know, they were giving away for a large amount of dowry just to, so that these they, their brothers can pay their dowries. What do you mean given away? Meaning there's no wedding, but if you want to marry my girl, you have to pay this amount a large amount of dowry, mm. a large amount of money. And what am I going to use with this money? Well, if my daughter has a brother, if I have a son, I'm going to use the money to pay my son. Because my son married another girl. He has to pay this large amount of dowry, right? So I'm going to pay that part. So basically, you raise a girl for trade. Okay. And I can't believe it. Like, this is fucking 2020. And things are like that are still happening. So your brother, it goes to the brother who pays the money to the other woman's family. Exactly. Okay, so where does the money eventually end up? It has to stop. The buck has to stop somewhere. So I don't know. Because I just heard of this. Like, because I, I guess eventually some lucky parents are going to get that dowry because they don't <laughs> have any... Uh, or maybe... <laughs> what do you mean lucky parents? You mean if the parents have like two daughters but one son, he's going to be lucky? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I guess if they have only daughter, Wait, if they have... And they have, if they have two only daughters and no sons at all, they're going to get all the dowry. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no more, <laughs> there's nowhere else for to pass it over. Yeah. So why didn't anyone so, think of that genius plot? I don't know, but if you only have daughters, you don't carry your family name, and that's Who something that Chinese parents really care. Why? Because isn't is our you can't use your American brain to think about this problem because it's most people, really a Chinese thing. This might sound racist, but aren't most people in China just named like? Yang and Lee, like it's super common to have just a. F- How many last names are there in China? Hundreds, uh, thousands, hundreds, tens- thousands. Yeah, we have Bai Jia Xing's or mainly yeah, hundreds, thousands. Well, the thing is, you know, every big family they have their family tree recorded, okay. so they kind of take it very seriously and they think it's really, you know, serious and important in their life. I don't understand this part at all. What's important to me is genetics because the name is just immaterial it's not a real thing i agree what matters is the genes that you pass on because that's how evolution has worked for thousands and millions and millions of years yeah and then back to the thing that we mentioned uh early on that the number of females uh the number of males surpasses the number of females by a large margin in china nowadays so superficially it's it just looks like women are at an advantage nowadays because you have for example for each girl you have actually one or th- uh two or three options for you to choose uh to marry mm-hmm. and then you're at this advantage and you can choose and you can ask for whatever you want so i guess that's the background and that's the mentality behind all this like giving money and sending you know, expensive presents to girls mm. on these holidays. But I, I, I'm not against this idea because I'm a girl too. So yeah. totally I'm a, for this idea. You should respect women. You should treat them nicely. But I guess this situation 
of the data that I just mentioned definitely has something to do with it. Yeah. But so I'm I'm kind of wondering, is this really an advantageous time for women? Like the respect and the love we see from guys in Chinese society nowadays is really genuine? I can only speak to what goes on in, in America. I think Chinese women are... <laughs> In regards to the wedding ceremony, are in a more advantageous position because in America the tradition is, and I believe Europe too, is to get engaged. So the man has to pay for the the wedding ring, which is usually they say two months' salary, maybe five thousand dollars or something like that. Um, I think that's the average, and then the women's family is expected to pay for the ceremony, which could be up anywhere between twenty and forty thousand dollars. That's very weird. And the Why thing, does the woman's family has to pay for the wedding? And the only other thing is the men's uh, family has to pay for the alcohol and the rehearsal dinner, which takes place the night before um, the wedding, which is like I don't know another like one thousand or two thousand dollars. So overall, the women's family is paying a lot more than the men's. Is it because um, wedding is kind of like dreamy, fancy style, and that is exactly what the girl wants? If I had to guess, I think, yeah, I, I think it's a way for women to gain more power of, over the wedding day and what goes on there. Because it's really their day. That's what they say. Oh, I to see. Pl- they want to plan, ev- they usually plan everything with their mother, um, picking out all the wedding cakes and the dresses and everything so it makes sense financial foundation determines the uh the other things huh you pay the money you have to say that yeah i suppose yeah so yeah and then another thing that i'm i'm really confused is you know um some of my friends i mean they say this to me in a nice way but some of my friends including my boss has reminded me that, you know, Charlotte, you're not dressing in a very feminine style. I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's anything wrong with me because, like, I keep working out. I keep going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I mainly keep myself very healthy. But the thing is, I don't dress in a very, very feminine style, like dresses all day long, high heels and stuff like that. And there was one time my boss told me, she said, well, I think at your age, at your um, at this stage, you should dress, you should wear more high heels. You should flash those high heels. Mm-hmm. That's her original words. And some of my friends, uh, she's actually a pretty good friend. She also said, I think you should wear dresses more. And this is, I believe, what we call... Um, well, I wouldn't say it is body shaming, but it's definitely fashion shaming. Fashion shaming. Yeah, they they are commenting on my fashion, saying that I actually dress very uh, sporty or masculine. Sporty, yeah. Sporty well, or masculine. I can masculine. say that that just seems to me like a very old, outdated wet, uh, fashion trend. That's Again, that's something that we would expect of women in the 40s and 50s, but as the 50s, as the 60s, 70s, 80s, Come, you see more women in jeans wearing shortcut um, khakis and jeans, um, and then a lot of sp- you know sports culture taking over. So Nike T-shirts, um, especially yoga pants, in the last thirty years. If you walk around Los Angeles, you'll see pretty much women of all types 
all sizes wearing sports clothes because they're comfortable um because when you sweat in them they don't um soak up a lot of moisture um they're just free flowing you're not going to overheat in these clothes Mm -hmm. so basically you know in america the trend has give people men and women more liberation to wear things that they feel comfortable with whatever Mm -hmm. those things are dresses whatever it is i guess like fat shaming and body shaming was pretty serious in china and it is even more serious in Japan. Uh, but as for the American part, we shall come back to that. But I want to say something about the situation in Japan and in China. Like in China, definitely every girl is caring about their weight very, very meticulously. So like weight problem is a serious problem. They they are talking about how much they weigh all the time. Mm. I personally speaking... I think they just talk too much about their weight. Like being a little bit chubby is not a big problem. You know, like beauty can be various styles, right? Uh, But this situation is even more serious in Japan. Because like those girls are really skinny. Mm. They're really skinny. They are skinnier than Chinese girls. Mm. And they, the whole social environment just kind of put you in this position that you have to wear makeup wherever you go. Mm. Even sometimes I just stayed in my apartment and I just went to the, I just wanted to go to the supermarket to buy something. Normally, if I were in China or uh, in America, I wouldn't put on makeup. But in Japan, I will. Because if you don't, I actually have this personal experience of some old lady coming to me. And saying that you're not wearing makeup. Oh, young people nowadays are really going freestyle and something like that. Interesting. So, yeah. So, there's this big social pressure. And I totally don't understand that. Because on one hand, Japanese people are very, very considerate. They actually have, like in their subway, they actually have a, a one section specifically for women. And in all of those like public facilities, you can see their consideration for females. If you want to touch up yourself a little bit in the bathroom, you have the right mirror, the right seat. Yeah. And if you want to like all kinds of like public facilities, you can see their consideration for women. But then, you know, behind this consideration, behind this, um, the whole considerate cons- being considerate thing, is this social pressure on women to always be decent, beautiful, and presentable. Um, Does it have anything to do with the fact that Japan, like China, is more collectivist? As in, people all kind of conform to one particular set of ideas, whereas in America, it's an individualistic culture where the most important thing is your individuality and your individual expression. Mm, Interesting. I believe so. All of my friends have talked about this. Like, we all use this word collectivism. Uh, we, we think Japanese people are very... They, they are just very obedient to the, uh, the standard or the fashion style in the society. So basically, to, to, ma- to, to put it very simple, they just want to look like everybody else. Mm. They don't want to look different. That's interesting. Japan is also considered a 
you know, in high regard in the street fashion wear, though, which is, again, a lot of sports wear mm-hmm. and a lot of, sh- you know, sneakers and things like that. Yeah, for sure. They they are doing really good in that industry. And jeans as well. So on, on one hand, I do see in the urban centers, like in Tokyo, when I visited, I see a lot of street wear, which is very modern and very forward thinking in regards of like gender and stuff. In girls or in guys? In both. In both. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. Because as far as I remember, uh, I do remember some girls are like that, but the majority of the girls are still liking a very, very feminine style, always in their heels, always in their dresses and skirts. Yeah, maybe it's a dichotomy dichotomy between, um, you know, girls in their early 20s and girls over 25, maybe dressing more in dresses and heels and things like that. I'm not sure. I'm just speculating. Okay. Yeah, and then back to the um, situation in America. Can you introduce us a little bit about this kind of things in America, like beauty standard? Because I know that Bill Maher, the famous talk show host, uh, personally, I am a fan, and he said we need to bring fat shaming back to America, especially when it is concerned with COVID-19 yeah. uh, pandemic, coronavirus pandemic. Can you tell us something of, on that? I don't agree that we should bring back fat shaming um, because uh, shaming is... A okay, ver- I think you need to explain the word fat shaming a little bit here. Yeah, I'll elaborate. So fat shaming, I mean, traditionally is... Shaming is applying, um, you know, like a condescending tone or a bullying tone or intimidating, saying that, you know, devaluing the person, you know, berating the person, mm-hmm. you know, lowering their level or their status in their family or in their class or in their society um, because of their condition, because they happen to be fat or, you know, if it wasn't fat, then if they were stupid, then, you know, it was berating them because they're stupid. So, but What do you say if they happen to be fat? Because, like, traditionally we think people are fat because they are not making enough efforts because they eat too much and they can't control themselves, maybe. Um, it, it's a very, that's the thing, obesity and, being overweight is a very complicated issue and you know some studies suggest it might be hormonal in some cases in a small percentage of cases maybe you know five to ten percent is a hormonal condition sometimes there's thyroid issues that cause people to gain weight Um, you know sometimes there's insulin issues um, genetic abnormalities and you know so when we talk about being overweight it's not just doesn't just come down to personal choice in a way and also you know the stress we talked about stress in the last episode and, and the effects that it can have on your decision making for the long term make you crave in this condi- in this case make you crave things that are more um, rewarding so high calorie foods that'll get you through the day get you through the week um, but not might not be good for your long-term health i see yeah so you know it's a multifaceted issue obesity and healthcare, yeah. I mean, I'm mean not healthcare. Um, being overweight. Okay. Yeah. So back to the topic of fat shaming and its correlation with COVID nineteen. Fat shaming. So it's my opinion that fat shaming is probably not the best way to go about getting people to change their decision making skills or change the way they you know, change their diet or change the way they exercise. Generally, in psychology, when you shame people into doing something, um, you're going to get the opposite result or 
you know, possibly possibly make the person, you know, feel depressed or have a lot of anxiety. Um, and that's not what we want. We want people to be encouraged to make the right choices and we want people to have the knowledge to make the right choices well as far as i know american society has been very free on weight and size for years because you Mm know uh the famous singer rihanna Mm -hmm. she started her own makeup brand and underwear brand and i saw those posters in los angeles everywhere those models in the underwear poster is not skinny at all they yeah. are larger than me. I'm not. Yeah, there's in a current trend in um, in gender studies and sociology and feminism in America, um, at least in America, to embrace any form, any um, body form, any body type, whether it's obese or um, extremely obese or overweight or just a little bit chubby or skinny. Um, and I don't think that's helpful either i think it's just as harmful as body shaming so you're gonna force people you know you're gonna enable people to be accepting of a condition that might be extremely unhealthy and might but that's the whole point that's the whole point because you say that fat shaming is not gonna helpful is not gonna be helpful because it brings a lot of anxiety and stress so then you go to the other end you encourage people to accept the way they are and introduce the idea that actually different size, different uh, weight is just different beauty. Yeah, so we can settle somewhere outside of those two realms. We don't have to shame people or bully people or mock people or make fun of people. Although I, I don't think um, you know obesity jokes or being overweight jokes should be out of the realm of comedy i think we should still have jokes but i don't think we should actually shame or intimidate or bully people because i think we're going to have a reverse effect from that and people having more conditions like you know possibly being suicidal possibly gaining more weight you know anorexia we've seen the results of those um results of body shaming and it's not pretty you know bulimia anorexia and other things like that um but then again I think just embracing any body type as being healthy is also problematic because I think we should, you know, sh- ideally shoot for a healthy body type, mm-hmm. or a healthy BM- body mass index. But not everybody is very interested in working out. Some girls just want to be skinny. They don't want to work out. Well, exercise is a helpful component, but diet is probably the primary driver mm-hmm. and how you look and, and the calories that you're gaining and how you know, your energy levels and your metabolic rate. Yeah. Yeah, this remembers me. This remembers me. Um, uh, reminds me. This reminds me of a recent program I recently watched. So I don't know if you know that show. It's called Queer Eye. Yeah, I I've think it's it. produced by Netflix. It's actually a pretty good show. Many five uh, homosexual guys help people to change their appearance and help them to boost their confidence and stuff like that. Mm. And then we, I think China bought the intellectual property and we made the Chinese version of the Queer Eye. Of mm. course, it's a different name. I don't know what the name is. But when the whole, like, the whole thing came out, nobody likes it, you know. Nobody likes it. 
And I can give you several examples as to why people hate it. Do they still hate it? They still hate it. Okay. Yeah, the Chinese version, mainly because there are too much body shaming and fat shaming and also fashion shaming. These five people, supposedly you're going to appreciate the different beauty that you see in, in those people, in, in the clients, right? And then you 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 try to boost their confidence and tell them that they are beautiful the way they are. But still, there are some things they can actually work on, like in their personal hygiene or personal style. Because not everyone is a fashion blogger, right? Well, that's not shaming then. That's just encur- no, li- encouragement. No, l- listen to me. I, I still have more. I mean, you are supposed to do that. What I mean is you are supposed to do that. But then they come to the the fact the five people in this document uh, in this program in China they went to people's houses and they start to say do you have any lipstick it, it, the client is actually a PhD graduate who got a, a a a PhD I forgot maybe in philosophy from German or some really complicated uh, uh stem major mm-hmm for Christ's sake, she is a PhD. And those those people just those five people just came to her house and asked her, Do you have some lipstick? And the girl said, No. Do you have some dresses? No. Heels? No. And they were just like so shocked. They mm. were like, Oh, if you don't have a lipstick, then you can't call yourself a woman. And the uh, the client actually said, "I don't believe in any of those things." Actually, were they gay guys? No, they were not gay guys. Isn't that I, the I point of some queer of them eye? Are Isn't that the point of queer eye? Is to have <laughs> fun? Yeah, they they got this idea, but they got so yours is people. called straight eye. Straight eye, <laughs> yeah, but it's women. It's women. The five people. Some of them are women. Yeah, that's stupid. The whole point of queer eye is that it's five gay guys. Yeah, but our program is not co- called Queer Eye. Anyway, yeah, so the the girl, the client said, well, actually, I think all of these things you mentioned, like lipstick, dresses, and heels, are just, I don't know, just like the, um, the, the traps of consumerism. I mm-hmm. believe that's her original words. She said those are the traps of consumerism. And I totally agree with her. Because why... Do girls need like 20 lipsticks, even Mm. though they look exactly the same? I personally don't understand why. And then they just try to impose those kind of things on this girl, like lipstick, heels. Even though you can see, obviously, this girl does not go for that direction. She probably can have her own style because she was trying to seek help from this program. Obviously, she wants some change in her life. She could probably have her own style, but just not the style as proposed by those five people, Mm. like red lipstick, dresses, flowery dresses, and high heels. She could totally go for another style, but they just imposed this fashion on her and kind of like fashion shamed her. Mm. And that's why everybody hates it. And then there was another episode about this, this Korea woman, uh, she just gave birth to a baby. So she was a little bit overweight because that's very normal after you gave birth to a baby. She was very busy because she was doing uh, a job and taking care of the baby. 
And actually, the person who seek the help from these people was her husband, because、mm-hmm. her husband said she was no longer the same girl I used to know. These five people came to their apartments and start to say、uh, and start to tell her, "If you want to keep your marriage stable, if you want to attract your husband's attention, you should pay more attention to your body, because you are too fat." Well, in America, we have a show called Six Hundred Pound Life, <laughs> <laughs> and there was actually a husband that was upset because his six hundred pound wife was losing weight. <laughs> so、yeah. that pretty much sums up the difference between China and America. That doesn't mean that every American guy like very six pounds、uh, wife. It's 600, not true. Six hundred. A six hundred pounds wife. It's not true, right? No, no. Most people still、not. like the、uh, normal. Healthy type. I think overall we we do like a more athletic build here, so more muscle. Girls that go to the gym more, they w- do yoga a lot. Like I guess the yoga body is what's considered in American mo- modern American society to be the most ideal body for women.、Mm. So so kind of slender, muscular, and、uh, curvaceous. Curvaceous meaning having a little bit curve. Yeah, not just like a skinny. You know, not the typical runway model, just as tall, skinny. That's not. I don't believe that's the ideal beauty type in、mm. American society right now. But do you think you know the the fashion industry has go has gone a little bit too extreme in American society right now? Because if you are encouraging even the models can be a little bit overweighted, then there's nothing you cannot accept. You are basically saying everything is beautiful. Just love the way you are. Yeah, I think that again, enabling you know people to believe that any body type or any body is is perfectly abse- acceptable and healthy. You know, there's two different things: is it healthy or not? That's an objective scientific position.、Um, is this body type going to lead to more being eighty pounds overweight or whatever that conversion is in kilograms divided by two point two? Is that You know, is that going to lead to further problems down the road? Diabetes type two. Is it going to lead to heart disease or stroke or any number of conditions that are associated with being overweight or obese? And it, the more images you see of of very pretty women who happen to be, you know, eighty pounds, fifty pounds overweight,、um, I guess the more you know, enticed you are to just leave your body the way it is and not change the situation. Um, you know, I think it's a very dangerous position to get in it, to where we're saying it's either body shaming or we're bullying people that are fat, or we're just embracing everyone of every body type and saying that's perfectly acceptable and healthy. I think we should lean towards the middle and just shoot for what is the most ideal body for health. And if it happens to be beautiful as well for a majority of people, then that's fine too. I guess people still. You know,、um, based on the fact that Rihanna's underwear brand is so popular, gets so popular, people still want to choose the easy one. They want to believe that every body type is beautiful and、uh, acceptable.、Yeah. So, me personally, I'm not concerned about my body type at all. I know, you know, women prefer guys to be pretty strong looking in America, and but there's also been a resurgence of the idea that a dad bod is the best bod for a man to have. <laughs> Okay, and there's like that's that's not that's muscular, but that's saying like not a lot of muscular definition. So、mm, I saw gay guys like that. 
Oh, really? Well, I know a lot yeah, of... Yeah, that's the I bear I know a lot type. of girls that like the dad I think the they, they call that the bear type. No, the bear is much bigger than the dad bod. The bear is at least, like... The bear has to be tall, number one, and also has to be, like, pretty burly. Oh. So, like, you know, pretty big, large-framed, let's say, like a, maybe a football player, NFL football player. Mm. I see, Whereas I see. dad bod is just kind of, like, any middle-aged guy... Who's kind of strong, but like, you know, kind of in shape, but also kind of like doesn't have a lot of muscle definition. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we said we have talked a lot about um, the differences between China, Japan and the United States in beauty standard, in women's position, in women's status and stuff. I guess, well, I definitely personally... I definitely am for the idea of variety, of more equality and variety. Um, and, uh, yeah, women shouldn't be too afraid to speak out, to speak aloud about what they really want. You know, the worst, the worst thing we can imagine is that your life your beauty, your fashion, your body are defined by the society and other women and other people, especially guys' standard. That's the worst. Mm. So just um, speak aloud what you really want to be. That's the most important thing. I read uh, a book before called Lean In. It's by Sheryl Sandberg. So for those of you who don't know who Sherry Sandberg is, she is the CEO. I believe she is still the CEO of Facebook. And uh, she, she, she mentioned a lot of like this kind of ideas in her book called Lean In. She said, well, I found a very, she found a very interesting phenomenon in a corporate culture, corporate environment, that when she walked into a meeting room, a conference room, uh, all of the guys regardless of their status in the company, all of the guys kind of sit in the middle of the room on the table, near the table. Well, all of the females, the the women just sit around the wall and they didn't sit on the table. So the whole chapter was called sitting on the table. You need to believe in yourself, your capability and your position and your righteousness to sit by the table. So I guess that's the last words I have for our listeners today. Keith, do you have something? No, I think that pretty much wraps it up for me. I don't have anything to add. Okay, thank you for listening again, and bye for now.